You are listening to Rue, a podcast of global Confucianism. Join us as Dr. Ben Song explores the riches of the Rue tradition and its intellectual, philosophical, and spiritual heritage. Dr. Song is a scholar of Ruism, more commonly known as Confucianism, as well as comparative philosophy, religion, and theology. He currently serves Washington College as an assistant professor of philosophy and religion. Here is Dr. Song with today's program. What to read first about Confucianism? Hello, this is Professor Bin Song at Washington College. This episode is to let you know what to read first when learning Confucianism, or as I explained in the first episode, what to read first when learning the Ru tradition. In general, the Ru tradition emphasizes practice more than theory, doing more than saying. However, for beginning learners, one most frequent question we can expect is still, what should I read first? After all, without ideas to guide, we can barely practice anything. To answer this question, normally many people will go to the book called The Analects, in Chinese Lun Yu, which is a book to have compiled sayings of Confucius and conversations between Confucius and his students as their first pick. They may think since Confucianism is called Confucianism, and since there is one book all about Confucius' original saying, the Analects is naturally the first choice. I would not recommend you to do so mainly because of two reasons. Firstly, the Analects is like a book of collected notes amongst Confucius' students to help themselves to continue the enterprise of social and political activisms that the school of Confucius originally aimed for. Since this is a notebook, without understanding the overall nature of that enterprise, it is very easy for beginning learners of Ruism to get lost among the so many detailed and minute discussions recorded there. This is also perhaps the reason why among beginning learners of ancient Chinese philosophy, Lao Tzu's Dao De Jing turns out to be more popular. When you open the Dao De Jing and read its first verse, quote, the Dao that can be said is not the genuine Dao, quote, you will say, wow. And each chapter of the Dao De Jing reads like a philosophical treatise, very thematized and organized. However, when you open the Analects, it says, quote, The Master says, Learn and timely apply what you have learned. Is it not a joy? Quote, okay, it feels warm, wise, a little bit breezy, but definitely not quite a wow. If you continue to read, you will find Confucius and his students are talking about so many concrete issues of human life in general and their society in particular, which include how to treat a family, how to learn, how to govern, how to do one's business and duty, how to speak, how to listen to music, etc. 
As I said, without a pre-understanding of the overall nature of Confucius' school and his pedagogy, we will easily get lost when we read his students' notes. If you give up the book and your interest of the rule tradition right away because of this, believe me, this will be one of the most misguided decisions you made in your life. Secondly, if the Analects is the notebook compiled by his students, what textbooks did Confucius use to teach his students? They are supposedly more or at least equally important than the notebook, right? These textbooks were of six kinds, and they were pre-Confucian ancient classics compiled by Confucius to teach his students. It includes the Odes, it's a book of poetry, the document, which is a book of ancient history, the rites, think about the meaning of Ru we explained before, the music, which we cannot find today since it is said to have been lost during later dynastic changes, the change, the Yi, the famous divination book, and the spring and the autumn, the history of Confucius' home state. In other words, after Confucius passed away, the Analects would be a notebook to guide new generations of learners to study those ancient classics. This situation makes the first pick of the Analects by interested beginning learners even more problematic, because without understanding the overall purpose of Confucius' pedagogy and the nature of the rule community he helped to incubate, we really do not understand what is at stake in that would-be first pick. Fortunately, Ruist leaders have faced a similar issue to tackle in history, since they also needed to introduce the rule tradition to beginning learners. And their response, starting from the 9th century in the common era, is to read a book with a much smaller size than the Analects, which is titled as the Great Learning. The text of great learning was originally one chapter in the classic of rites, and as instructed by those Ruist leaders, the first opening section includes the words said by Confucius, and its later parts are about the commentary written by Confucius' student Dengzi on Confucius' words. This arrangement of the text is also very typical to many Ru writings. The first part is called a classic, Jing, and the second part is called a commentary, Zhuan. I attach my own translation of the classic part of the great learning here, together with my interpolated annotation. If you are a student in the course of Ru and Confucianism, I would require you to read carefully every word on this chart. Here, I will mainly read the translation part. The way of learning to be great, or great learning, consists in manifesting the bright excellence of each individual, loving and renewing the people, and abiding in the highest good. Only after knowing where to abide in can one feel settled. Only after having felt settled, can one become tranquil. Only after having achieved tranquility can one become content. Only after feeling content can one begin to deliberate. Only after deliberation can the end be attained. 
Things have their root and branches. Affairs have their beginning and end. To know what is first and what is last will lead one near the way. The Asians who wish to manifest their bright excellence to the world would first bring order to their state. Those who wish to bring order to their state would first align their family. Those who wished to align their family would first cultivate their personal life. Those who wished to cultivate their personal life would first rectify their heart mind. Those who wished to rectify their heart mind would first make their intentions authentic. Those who wished to make their intentions authentic would first attain the knowledge. The attainment of knowledge consists in the investigation of things. When things are investigated, one attains the knowledge. When one attains the knowledge, their intentions become authentic. When their intentions are authentic, their heart mind is rectified. When the heart mind is rectified, their personal life starts to be cultivated. When the personal life is cultivated, their family starts to be aligned. When the family is aligned, their state starts to be in order. And when the state is in order, there will be peace throughout the world. From the sun of heaven to the common people, all must regard the cultivation of personhood as the root. There is never a case when the root is in disorder and yet the branches are in order. So now you understand why this text was chosen by those ruist leaders as the entry text to the root tradition, right? In this text, the ruist enterprise of self-cultivation and social activism is programmed as concretely as three phases in the first paragraph, eight steps in the third, and with a method of daily meditation or self-contemplation described in the second paragraph. With such a concrete structure of learning and its explicitly stated ultimate goal, everything to learn down the road will be nicely fitted into a mindset, and therefore, beginning learners will get a greater sense of orientation regarding their overall understanding of the rule tradition. As for the interpretations of this text, at the first glimpse, particularly when you read my annotation in the chart. The text seems pretty much self-explanatory. However, I would like to warn you beforehand that the text also turns out to be among the most debated texts in the intellectual history of Ruism. Each mentioned term, such as attain the knowledge, the investigation of things, feeling content, and so on, undergoes an unusually intensive scrutiny and debate among rule thinkers in history. Without any exaggeration, I will say the entire history of the so-called Neo-Confucianism, which lasted from 9th to 19th century across different East Asian countries, is one history of debate on the terms of the classical part of the Great Learning. In particular, two major competing lineages of learning in Neo-Confucianism, the school of principle and the school of heart mind. Derives from their different understandings and their accordingly different practical methods of social activism surrounding the key term knowledge mentioned in the third paragraph of the Great Learning. This phenomenon is also not surprising because since the Great Learning is the first text one needs to read when starting to learn the rule tradition, 
everything they learn later will be constantly referred back to this foundational text, and therefore people would intensively debate each other depending upon their overall experience of rule learning and human living. Nevertheless, as the instructor of this course, I have my own understanding of the text. In the following, I will stress several points of my understanding beyond what I have said in the annotation. This will give you an initial guidance for your further learning of the rule tradition. But in the long run, given your understanding of the tradition gets more mature, I do hope you can have your own understanding of the text and are able to apply your understanding to the benefits of your life. Firstly, the position of individual in this ruist pedagogy is very special. If the understandings of himself in world philosophies and religions are put in a spectrum, Buddhism will lie at the far left since it thinks humans essentially have no self whatsoever. Whereas, Thomas Hobbes' idea of everyone is the enemy against everyone, in the pre-societal state of nature will lie at the far right because human selves are thought of as irreducible atoms with their counteracting forces pitted against each other. However, as indicated by the great learning, the rule understanding of self will lie rightly in the middle. The program of great learning starts from the strengthening of human self, namely the manifestation of excellences in each individual in the three-phase paragraph and the cultivation of one's personal life in the eight-step paragraph. But these individual self-strengthenings are all envisioned as serving broader social and political goals, such as loving people, aligning one's family, and bringing order to the state. In other words, according to the Ruist conception in the Great Learning, individuals thrive their lives in human networks and relationships. And the flourishing human networks also depend upon how strongly and thoroughly the individual proceeds in their self-cultivation. A sort of mutual harmony between community and individuals registers here. Secondly, the meditative method described by the second paragraph is also very special. Terms such as feel settled, become tranquil, and become content are beautiful to describe the deep meditative experience of a rule learner. However, the meditative practice is seamlessly embedded in a program of social activisms that unabashedly affirms the value of this worldly daily human life and social activism. I once described this type of meditation as meditation in motion and made a whole series of YouTube videos to explain how we can practice this in the contemporary world. In my view, this type of meditation is very fit for modern professionals, and we will spend quite a time in this course to discuss and practice this type of meditation. Thirdly, as discussed in Unit 1 of this course, I once emphasized that the Ru tradition is extraordinarily broad and deep since Ru cares about everything in the civilization. It is a philosophy, religion, and a way of living all at once, while not being constrained by any of this. Now, after reading the great learning, I hope you understand more why I said so. If looked at more closely, 
We find that peace throughout the world is a very sublime and transcendent goal pertaining to one's position in the entire cosmos, and underneath it, bringing order to one's state is about politics. Allying one's family is about society, and cultivating one's personal life through working on one's hard mind, intention, and knowledge is about individuals. Understood in this way, the division of human knowledge prevalent in modern universities and colleges does not quite hold on to this holistic thinking of realism. That's because none of this dimension of human flourishing can be realized without the other. Therefore, if one intends to pursue education and self-cultivation according to this Ruist program, one really needs to broadly learn, broadly communicate, and solidly build their own business in a robust human network on the basis of constantly bettering and strengthening themselves. I would say this Ruist pedagogy, envisioned by Confucius, embodies the spirit liberal arts par excellence. It intends to continually liberate human individuals through flourishing human civilization, and vice versa. Because of this, I also think the text of Great Learning is worth reading by every student of liberal arts, and this is another reason why we read it right here, right now. Thank you for listening to Rue, a podcast of global Confucianism. If you enjoyed today's program, please consider subscribing to this podcast. If you would like to learn more about Rueism, please follow the link to Dr. Song's website included in the show notes. Opening music, Tada, by Siddhartha Corsis. Closing music, Endless Forms Most Beautiful, by Siddhartha Corsis. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to you tuning in again next time.